Welcome to Marvel Did What, part of the Marvel Cinematic University umbrella. I'm your host, Anthony Canton III, joined with my co-host, Stephanie Williams. Um, this is the first time we're we doing this together in a while, so it's um, it's happy to get back in the saddle. How are you? I'm doing well, and yeah, it's been a minute, but what, you know, an issue or a limited series, I should say, that we come back with. Yeah, yeah, and, and to kind of connect it, because... Uh, jointly, um, along with kind of doing a little Falcon and the Winter Soldier over time, um, we will also discuss Truth, Red, White, and Black, uh, the story of Isaiah Bradley, uh, written by Robert Morales, uh, rest in peace, uh, drawn by Kyle Baker. It's a very, it's a very, very uh, dark story, um, but one that is, you know, about legacy and is about basically the the evils that uh took place in world war two and i guess steph since you weren't on with us tuesday uh to talk about the second episode of falcon and the winter soldier i kind of want to start there uh what were your takeaways from the episode particularly a lot of the the uh racial elements with the introduction to isaiah bradley and some of the heavy-handed stuff that they did with Sam. Um, like, I felt like it was doing a lot, but not saying much at the same time, which was, um, I don't know, kind of frustrating because, like, the show has kind of been pulling its punches in some ways bigger than others. Um, like, with the Flag Smashers looking like, you know, the Rainbow Coalition, uh like like planeteers <laughs> the, the 90s planeteers um that's kind of interesting that that was the 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 take that they had for a group like that um because it kind of softens the blow of you know look at this group right um versus if they were like you know all white male um just uh facet um you know just black smashers or whatever so uh, pulling the punches in that way. And then, um, you know, with uh, John Walker and introducing him with uh, not one best, fr- not just one uh, best black friend, but a black girlfriend or wife on top of that. And kind of yeah. trying to make that <laughs> character a little bit more um, just repackaging him really, because I would argue that folks found the John Walker in the comics relatable. Um, so there, you know, not much has just changed. It just changed how um, you just made them a, a little nicer on the outside. So um, between that and then by the time that, um, well, wow, I'm skipping <laughs> because John Walker's friend, Lamar Hoskins, yes, Battlestar. Um, I thought it was hilarious that he um, basically had the same energy as he does in the comics, which again, I thought was very interesting given how they kind of revamped John's uh, character uh, characterization. So that was kind of annoying. (laughs) So by the time, you know, I get to, um, you know, they got to leave Munich to find their way back to the United States. 
So uh, they go there because they've encountered uh, the super soldiers and Bucky, you know, the first thing he could think of, like, oh, yeah, that black guy that I fought, fought once that was just as strong as Cap. He would know something, right? I haven't seen him in years, <laughs> decades even. 1951 so, to be exact. <laughs> 1951. Um so like Isaiah wasn't even on his list of like atonements, you know, the list that he was that he had for That's a good point. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so they go there. And um that was the best scene in the entire series, and that's all due to Carl Lumbly. Oh yeah. Um I greatly enjoyed um, you know, his portrayal as uh Isaiah, and I appreciate well, you know what? I don't know how I feel about this. Um because in the comics, and then like by by me saying I don't know how I feel about it, like I just don't really have a, I guess a comment that I can articulate just yet on it. But in the comics, yeah. Isaiah um, has regressed to a childlike state because of the super soldier serum. Like that's the um, way it's like deteriorate, like you know, deteriorate his body. Right. Um, but in the MCU, like. Carl Lumbly is that that as I that Isaiah is clearly not in a childlike state because no. you know he um recants the story uh between him and uh Bucky and what happened and you know throws the container into the wall and then yells and tells them to get the hell out of his house. So I'm curious as to why that direction um and not to um you know f- do what was done with truth and have it that um, the serum had an unfortunate effect on his mental capacity. Mm-hmm. So um, I actually just, I just want to know like why um, and not to like, you know, judge or not or anything like that, but I'm just curious as to what, why, why that would be. Um, Cause I mean, you're, you're telling the story of Isaiah Bradley, you're putting home the, selling home the point or hopefully later it's revealed like the details of um you know what happened to him versus you know a quick little gloss over overview overview that we get from him when he is um basically cursing Bucky out. Right. And that and, and that's the funny thing. Like at the time when I saw the scene, first time I saw it, I was like, wow, this is really, really good. Carl Umbley's doing a mm-hmm. great job and what what else would you expect from him? Great job by that. Um, then obviously the second scene happens and, and it's just like, eh, you're throwing this together. So yeah. then I watched the episode again before we do the podcast on Tuesday. And my takeaway from it was, wow, there's a part of me that's really exhausted by all of this. Just yeah. generally drained by the idea of just the, and it's not, necessarily Isaiah scene but then it's the compounding look at mm-hmm. me let's just say hello to racism second scene after that that yep. it feels like they're trying to drive home a point that we kind of already get and the reasoning behind that I'm not sure and then compounding all of that is first when you think about Isaiah and what what that's supposed to mean my initial thought was something that you said as far as Monica Rambeau and Wanda and Monica serving Wanda's story as opposed to serving her own. Mm -hmm. What is Isaiah Bradley's purpose here? 
is he serving Sam's story? Is he serving Bucky's own atonement slash uh, rebranding? Um, or are we going to give this legacy character the time that he deserves? And in a six-episode uh, miniseries, that's kind of hard to do. So when you're doing something like that, it makes you think and it makes you wonder, like, is this the best Is this the best use of this character? And I would say no. And on top of that, as somebody who, it, who has talked about um, the writer's room and Malcolm Spellman and his involvement in this, um, mm-hmm. you have let me know uh, what his previous doings uh, has been on the air. Um, what do you think they're trying to do? And what would you like to see different? if you were in that writer's room? So, I do not like that they brought Isaiah Bradley into this because it is only six episodes, to your point, and they just introduced him in episode two. Mm -hmm. And for the mere fact that he has this run-in with Bucky, which isn't a a comic thing, and I'm I'm just bringing it up because it simply isn't in the comics, but that... The, the reason why I bring that up, because it leads me to believe that Isaiah is more so there to serve as a, um, you know, a story like for Bucky's story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing to do with Sam, because if you wanted him to be, you know, a part of Sam's story, then you would have had it that Sam discovers Isaiah. And, you know, maybe that's why he gets pissed and he gives up the shield. Yeah. Something like that. Right? Because, right. um, yeah. But because you've you set up and you've had, you know, that whole intense scene between um, Isaiah and Bucky, you know, you're telling me that the, that it's for him. If you even bother to really go into it. Because at this point, I don't know story-wise um, and with only four episodes left, why it would be worth to get Isaiah's backstory as what would what would it have to do with um the entire story? Because what it seems like with the super soldiers, they're coming from the power broker. Isaiah has nothing to do with the power broker at mm. all. So what I would have done differently is just not introduce that character if all we were gonna get is six episodes and we were gonna spend the bulk of that trying to do this flag smashers and Zemo thing. Which, by the way, you mentioned Zemo. By the way, we have not heard Zemo say a word in this series yet. I'm sure we'll hear him in episode three. We haven't seen Sharon Carter yet. You're introducing all of these elements into the story. And this felt like, hey, let's just do a quick show. And then we'll get back to him towards the end of the series and give Sam almost like a a moment with him. And Mm. that will motivate sam to become uh captain america and that's what it feels like ultimately it's being used as not only as a conduit to that but a conduit to uh bucky trying to uh find his place in the world and be able to live with some of the stuff that that he's done and ultimately um you know it's not something that i personally and i'm sure you've echoed as such is not something that I feel like is necessary. I don't think it speaks well of uh, the writer's overall grand scheme of of thinking about how you would introduce a legacy character like this and and use him. 
um, there's a lot of better ways you can do that. And then again, um, the compounding scene after that, I think what bothers me, there's two things that bother me. Like the main one, and it's not even the whole racial profiling thing because they've already been heavy handed with the stuff in the first episode. So you kind of get an idea that this is, this is their get down. This is what they're doing. Um, but you start this argument thing with Sam and Bucky, you know, especially after Sam doesn't really say anything in the, the scene prior. Um, and then Sam, Sam and Bucky are about to have it out. It's a, like a legitimately good opportunity there to actually let the characters have it out for a, a justified reason for Sam. Sam has a right to be mad about this. And Bucky's reasoning behind it isn't, that concrete or isn't that great either it's just another example of um just like uh cap did with with uh tony's parents and not telling him about that these uh white men feeling like hey you know i can i I, i'm the all-knowing all-seeing i make these decisions on behalf of what's uh the greater good and it never it really turns out right in terms of telling the truth so i would have liked to see Sam and Bucky's conversation go further but instead what we get is we get an atypical you know uh a racial profiling thing which doesn't even go that far they do the whole oh wow he's that dude he's that celebrity and it kind of ends and it's it just doesn't you know what it did it and, it and what it did most importantly is it cheapened the prior moment like you have a moment with yeah, Isaiah it, that's it, your big reveal yeah. And then you kind of almost forget about it because you do this scene and try and throw it out in your face. So I think that was just doubly damning in in, in that situation. So, I mean, it is what it is. Like, I, I find the... There are elements of the show that are interesting. I do find John Walker uh, fascinating. I think Wyatt Russ is doing a really great job. Um and uh, and the one thing that um, I was going to say on Twitter yesterday, but I stopped myself, is the other thing that I'm worried about with Lamar Hoskins is is he's going to be the reason that John turns um, and probably either gets the serum or, you know, we see that dark side that Lamar alluded to, because I think Lamar is going to run up against the Flag Smashers and either get really badly hurt or killed and then John Walker is going to take that anger and that's going to be the reason that he does what he does in the series. So, Or they uh, do something even worse and his uh, girlfriend or wife is uh, a casualty of some sort, some, some short, some sort. And um, mm. I just, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like, I just kind of feel like instead of them, you know, sacrificing Battlestar, which they could still very well do, or maybe it's both of them. Who knows? But like, I just feel like it might be a toss up between those two. But I think you are right, though, that um, something probably will happen to Battlestar because they, with him, like again, I was surprised that they gave him the same energy that he has in the comics, which tells me, like, you know, do you do you really plan on doing much with this character outside of making him? you know, introducing him with John Walker because, you know, Captain America's need a, a Black best friend. Um, <laughs> and then just kind of, you know, because he's not a well-known character, just kind of um, 
using him as a way to drive John's story forward. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a lot. And I think, like, in addition to that, what do you make of this writer's room? And overall, we have this first act that we've seen the first two episodes and what they've tried to do. What is your opinion on what they're actually trying to do and what do you make of the storytelling there? I feel like it's a lot of, we're doing a lot of things, but not saying anything at all. Like that's what I feel like. It's just, um, I don't know, like a lot of filler, but nothing, there's nothing really to like, grab and latch on to outside of um you know kind of the 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 promise that 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 they've you know incurred on Sam for us to just kind of like oh yeah he is relatable because you know he too gets turned down at the bank or yeah. oh yeah yeah he is relatable because um look the police profile him just the same and hey you know he's just like us family struggling and can't really you know do anything to help because mm-hmm. you can't get that loan at the bank so there hasn't been anything yet that makes me want to care about Sam more than I, well, more than I already do would be a ton, but (laughs) I'm just saying like, you know, to really be invested beyond, beyond like Sam getting the, the shield back or whatever, but like really invested in, I don't know, like his, uh, his growth and, that's not no fault to the character that's on the writers, right? Because yeah. like, give me, give me some reasons to like fully invest because it really just feels like more of the same, honestly, um, and just drawn out longer. Like it just feel like we're just getting extended scenes of you know Sam in the movies. Yeah, you could make the argument that Bucky has had more character development. Oh, and it's not absolutely. like, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's close. Like you do that scene with the therapy and he and he says the stuff and it's just it's just weird. Like and I'm thinking about that scene. And and Bucky goes on the soliloquy that ends with if he if he was wrong about you, then he was wrong about me. And shout out to Sebastian Stan for selling that moment. Yeah. And then you get would you I wish instead of the the simple um yeah, maybe maybe something you and Steve wouldn't understand is I did what I thought was right. But then at the same time, if you're going to sell me his emotions at the end of episode one, as he's seeing John Walker uh, take the shield and, and be the new cap, it just feels like they're contradicting themselves. Because mm-hmm. in a lot of instances, you get that moment with the, with his emotions clearly being frustrated and and then he talks about being having his heart broken when he speaks to Bucky the first time in episode two. But in other conversations, he's just talking about like, he's talking about it in a way where he's playing it straight and playing it stoically in a way that you don't really, you don't really get to see what's happening there, what's happening there mentally, what's happening there emotionally. And again, that's, that's on the writers to do that. And if you're going to, and just like in WandaVision, where, you know, you can make your, you can make your crit- critiques and criticisms about what they did, but ultimately what they did 
was and what they needed to do was put over Wanda as a central character and an important character. And the writing reflected that. If you're mm-hmm. trying to make Sam Captain America and trying to make him a headline hero and try to make him mean something to not only the people watching, but just overall, then you need to do more than what they're doing. It does feel like Sam is a backseat uh, driver in a in a show about Bucky trying to find his uh, his inner peace, you know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, he's along for the ride in this eat, pray, love situation. And it is just um, really unfortunate, but it's just extra unfortunate, too, right? Because this but is... You called it. I, I had the... I, I did had a bad feeling because it kept like just trying to ram home the point that this show was going to tackle, um, you know, what it means to be a black man in America and all these other, these other strong topics. Mm-hmm. And they kept bringing that up. And I'm just like, wow, this is, you're probably, you probably haven't even done the thing that you said that you did because like, <laughs> you know instead of talking about it just be about it and I don't know like that's just always kind of a red flag to me when something like that is overstated because that means that you know you want to make sure you have your black viewers uh paying attention which we were going to do anyway right right um but you want to really make sure that they're you know invested and tuning into this show because I don't know, just thinking of like Luke Cage and stuff and like how crazy everyone went over that and like broke Netflix um, because, you know, yeah, because that happened like for that first one, um, you know, just trying to like let folks know that, hey, we're we're taking care of y'all in this story and you aren't <laughs> at all. And honestly, it would have been fine. It would have been annoying, but it would have been fine if um, they just never said anything about it. Agreed. Like, let us come to the conclusion that you handled it. You like you tackled these things that you said that you did. And so far, all they've done is just bring them up for <laughs> merely for Sam, which does not help his character at all. Yeah, yeah, and and ultimately, um, I feel like where this series ends, I feel like there's going to just be a lot more uh, questions than answers in terms of what they could have done or what they should have done, but they, but that remains to be seen. But uh, one more thing on the yeah. show before we, we kind of get to the comic book and how it, it plays into uh, realities of, of life and, and film and TV, uh, the John Walker portrayal. Um, it's something that I, I found people's responses interesting. Uh, people who I'm in circles with uh, and who I talk to, I, I find those, the responses to them interesting because it's like, Yes, they've presented the um, they presented him in a way where they're trying to tell you, hey, this guy's not racist. He got a black friend. He got a black wife. He's not racist at all. But still, you know, he 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 has all of the qualities of somebody who would be that way anyway. So even with that, it's cool to just make the jokes because it's funny because it, it is legitimately funny because he looks like that type of guy. But then you get the response of people who are very sensitive, and this is this is another white people thing, where they're just like, he's not racist. No, he's not racist at all. But you're kind of like, and this is another example of people when they tell on themselves a little bit, 
if this this if this little joke that somebody is saying is bothering you to that degree then what is your issue what do you mean by um by that he's not a racist especially when not necessarily saying that that he is a racist it's just there are qualities that exhibit um those uh racism so what did you what did you make i'm sure you're on social and you're looking at stuff like what did you make of the reaction to john walker typical <laughs> like unsurprising because a lot of because it's just funny because it's 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 really telling on a lot of folks that they may in fact actually be more close to John Walker than they believe whether um they you know thought that he was like they had the more pos- more positive reception of him or the negative, right? Because yeah. John Walker um, is, you know, someone who has Black Lives Matter in their Twitter bio, but is it a tyrant <laughs> to Black people at work or in just in, in real life? So, um, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I honestly was not surprised. Um, and that's why I was kind of annoyed that they kind of gave him this little rebrand in the show because I'm like, you would have still gotten this reaction either way. Right. Even if you would have just kept him similar to how he was in the comics, because he wasn't even necessarily outwardly racist in the comics. He was just, yeah, like uh, that's again, that's just like, yeah, he's very aggro. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So like you could have really honestly introduced him that way. It would have been I think you would have still gotten the same the same reaction. Um, So and I think the thing is, is that they probably did that because, you know, soon you know, he'll maybe eventually turn into U.S. agent, and then, yeah. you know, who knows what the contract is with Wyatt, uh, with Wyatt Russell. Maybe they want to have him around for a little bit. So bring him in softly like this, then the rebrand shouldn't be too hard. But again, rebrand in the comics. I mean, he's still a, he's still a jerk. He's still going to be a jerk in exactly. the MCU. So like, either way, um, it's going to be what it is. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, and and I like I said, I think White Russell's doing a great job because he oh, really yeah. makes you not like him at all, and and he and he does it in a way that you you keep coming back to watch because you're intrigued on where the direction of the character goes. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in this show going forward. Obviously, episode three is this Friday. And uh, we're almost, we're already almost at the halfway point of it. So, you know, we'll see whether uh, things advance, but, but yeah, let's talk a little bit about um, Isaiah Bradley in this book. I, I read this book like probably three weeks ago, um, knowing that the series was going to come out and knowing that his inclusion was likely. And I think the one thing that I took away from it was how i mean a lot of it's very depressing like it it is if you if you're if you're reading it as somebody who emotes and and feels these things and i think that was what uh mr morales wanted to accomplish um was to tell that particular story and um i think the i think the other thing uh besides that is it is amazing um how in a way and i (laughs) And this feels like it translates through not only 
comic books, but TV and film these days, uh, when it comes to black people, there is a penchant um, to rely on stories that feel very just dark, um, trauma-filled, pain-filled. And, and I always have this, I always have this, this difficult time trying to reconcile with that because I realize that's a part of the history and that's a big part of the history and you don't want to erase history. You want it to matter in some type of way, but there is a part of me and, you know, it was illustrated in the show translating that, that kind of just wanted something different. And one tweet that, you pointed out i know you had gotten a screener to watch a certain show on amazon prime that's coming out oh oh my god oh Oh, wow Mm. (laughs) and and i saw the trailer for that and i was just like yo guys please give me a break i need a break it's a release of some sort so just to kind of kind of use that and um and this book as well. What 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 are your opinions on that? How do you how does that stuff make you feel as you read an, a, a book about Isaiah Bradley that's just so dark and so full of pain, and then you juxtapose that to kind of what we're always seeing in black stories and television. So, um, <laughs> I recently like before we started the podcast I had just sent off the final draft of my Isaiah Bradley piece so this is very fresh and still very raw because mm-hmm. writing that um you know midway through really took a lot out of me because I had to rehash and bring up the Tuskegee Airmen um you know I'm um, sorry the Tuskegee experiments and yeah. not even just that like reading the story I had to reread it again because I hadn't read it um, in a couple years and I didn't read it when it came out in 2003. Gotcha. So happy that I didn't. <laughs> because, I know. Or, no, no. Is it 2000? Yeah, it was 2003. Yeah, it's 2003. I'm thinking because yeah. I also had to read the crew right after and the crew came out in 2005. But <laughs> so it's just a brutal an ugly story and it sucks that um you know one like to your point is that I understand why it was written that way I understand why that connection for Isaiah Bradley's origin story was made because I mean it makes sense right like mm-hmm. you know around that time when Cat was running around then um if there were going to be black soldiers that were experimented on it would be this way So um, I get it, but damn, it just sucks that to retroactively introduce a black care, black Captain America, I mean, to, you know, Isaiah Bradley, you know, in 2003, um, and for his origin story to be so tragic all the way through, even leading up to, um, you know, the legacies that follow him, Josiah X being born, um, you know, out of surrogacy because he's from, um, you know, the the sperm cells that they harvested from him before they sterilized him, right? Right. Um, and then he has this really terrible childhood and then finds 
um, Islam. So there you have it, selling bean pies. So you got that. Um, and then even poor Elijah Bradley, right. even his origin is messed up, right? Um, especially given the history of his, his grandfather where, you know, he is abusing drugs in order to have powers. Yeah. So he can be run around to be the Patriot. And then, you know, he ends up having to get a blood transfusion from Isaiah. And that's what eventually gives him his powers. But all of it, just tragic. Yeah. Not even one of those, the, the two legacy characters to follow him after have a story that is, um, you know, free of trauma. <sighs> yeah, that's kind of like, that's kind of like how I felt reading that. Um, I'm like, where does this get better? Where does this feel like um, it, it gets to a place where it's a positivity? And I think this also speaks to uh, the juxtaposition of what happens with Black characters and what happens with white characters who are superheroes. Now, there was a thread yeah. that I read last week. Um, the Twitter user's name is uh, GD215. Um I think he has a radio show on NPR and he interviewed um, Robert Morales about this. And there's a quote from Morales saying it was so depressing. I didn't think they would approve it, but it was depressingly realistic and likely that um, that likely quote right there. um, It, it hits home in a way that it makes me often rethink of everything that I'm watching and how I'm taking it in and how I'm understanding it. And more importantly, say if my kid wants to read something along those lines is how do I, how do I properly discuss something like this with him? And, and it kind of just blows your mind in a sense. And then the thread goes on and basically this gentleman is talking about how we look at uh, white superheroes and more importantly, how they're portrayed. Um, and I think the, the best, the best uh, part of the thread is this um, in speaking to how deeply embedded the whiteness of these characters is. And more importantly, how they're portrayed the green lanterns power ring had to scan the earth for the bravest person in a world of billions of people and decided that it's rightful bearer was a white fighter pilot from the Midwest. I mean, I mean, think about that. No, and no, but I have, and it's true, right? Um, it, it's just so white. <laughs> it really and is. It just, and and, and and a lot of times, like, it just makes no sense at all. Like, I'm really supposed to believe that Clark Kent would be raised by two morally just and balanced individuals in <laughs> Kansas City. I mean, not Kansas City, but in Kansas. Huh? Oh man! And we wouldn't have, you know, a bright situation or a bright burn or whatever that movie is. Like we wouldn't have something like that. That doesn't make any like. They raised Clark to be so amazing and yeah. so unbiased that he would witness Vic, Vic Vixen looking as though she stole fur coats, but actually not pursue her because he thought to himself well no let me get the bigger picture like that's how vixen and superman meet hmm interesting and that's from a superman whose parents 
uh, whose whose parents are from Kansas. Um, so it's just um, it's wild to me. Like, no, like Superman, absolutely. <laughs> if it was told truly, probably would have racial profiled Vixen in a van full of fur coats that she that looks like she stole it. They would have had no problem so, injuring um, her seriously. Right, no problem at all. So, but you know what? Because the way the superheroes are viewed is so entrenched in whiteness, then our Black characters suffer from it, even at the own hands of creators who look like them. Yeah. Because there is this urgency to make them the Blackest thing ever. And unfortunately, for a number of folks, Blackness is entrenched in suffering because yeah. of our history. Yeah. So then that is sometimes reflected upon the character that even though they went through this grand suffering, look how how strong and resilient they are. I think that's why, you know, a character like Monica Rambeau, just for me personally, has always stood out because her origin story is not gripped in it at all. It's just in everyday work, I got passed over because, you know, <laughs> sexism and mm, institu- yeah. institutional uh, racist, racism or whatever, but like, you know, everyday work thing. Um, and when she gets her powers, it's because she is the one who wants to uh, save the day. And then when she has them, she desires to um, help. It's not because she has to avenge someone. It's not because the government experiment on her or any of that. Mm-hmm. So rarely do we have stories like that. Um, I mean, look at Riri Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Yeah, I, well, yeah, I was. That's why I was going. I was headed there because I'm like, you know, next to Monica, Moon Girl. Oh know, right, fine enough origin, but then unfortunately, a, a new character such as Riri Williams, which was what created in 2016, 2017. Yeah, had to have the same tragic origin story, you know. Like, everybody in the family getting killed. Like... Yes. Like, ridiculous. So, um, you know, it it sucks. And even if we're not even talking about the big two, like, you just see this in other stories. I see it all the time in some stuff that I end up backing on, um, you know, Kickstarter, where it's a story of this Black character, whether they're a superhero or not, but, like, it's just this often traumatic thing that is being passed off as a way to relate to this character and it's just like no you can make your characters relatable by just treating them like humans yeah normal i mean normalized normalcy um is something that you almost feel like they would do and i talked about this on tuesday and you and i talked about this in text but that uh that scene in black lightning where they did the Breonna Taylor reenactment and then yeah. just um, have Black Lightning show up at the last minute to kind of show that there's a Black hero. Um, I could not tell you how tasteless I thought that scene was and just how thoughtless it was. And I was like, who is in that room writing that and thinking that was a good idea? Um, sensationalizing a moment that affected every black person in this country. And then you're, and then it's like something that you want to translate to, to us on the screen. I don't want to see that again. I don't, I really don't. And um, 
And that's the thing, and that's a tough thing about Black Lightning because I like the show because of uh, the family dynamics with um, him and his daughters and his wife mm-hmm. and how their relationship is and how the girls are really strong. And they are, you know, they're on their P's and Q's and they're, and, and they're ready to do whatever they have to do. They'll fight through anything. So, like, I really do appreciate the stories in, in that show. And I feel like it, it's, you know, it's very underappreciated, that show is, personally to me. But then you get a scene like that, and it's like, I wonder, like, what, what, made, what made them do that? Like, and it's, and it's kind of like what you alluded to earlier. It's just this stuff is embedded. Like, it's just, like, it's baked into the bread. And, and I'm hoping that people... Um, you know, like us, who start to see these things are calling them out more because, you know, as I listen to as I listen to other podcasts, um, some of the more popular ones talking about stuff like Falcon and the Winter Soldier and and, and all of these comic book, uh, TV and film things. When it comes to black people, and they're really like, this is this is really great representation, diversity, all those buzzwords that we always hear, but then. You know, like they're not getting that—that that it's always trauma, it's always pain, it's always something. You know, something that that's uh, meant to hurt and sadness. All of these things, and all of these things, and it's like to your point, you see them over and over and over and over again until it's just—it's ingrained, and you can't get it out of your head. And then it just becomes Monday, and then it becomes Tuesday, and it becomes another day. Yeah, and then the thing is that, you know, we're not saying that those things don't need to ever exist or right. can't exist. Because there's also the component of how you're telling the story and how you're using, you know, these these situations. Because that woman, which has been my surprise show of the year, because I didn't know mm-hmm. how season one and not care about Ruby Rose or just <laughs> I do like Kate Kane, but like it's also the CW. So I'm like, I'm not really about to like go out of my way to seek that out. But um I messed around and ended up watching episode one of season two with uh Ryan Leslie, um, who is playing um oh wait, the character is Oh Ryan, Ryan Wilder. Ryan Leslie, right? Ryan, Ryan Wilder. Wilder. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> And um, the actress, her last name is Leslie. It's Leslie, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, mm-hmm. I um, like the way she happens upon the bat suit is that she is um, unsheltered. She's homeless. She lives in a, well, not unsheltered because she does live in a um, a mobile, uh, like a a camper, I guess. Yeah. She, yeah. She got like a, a little van. It's almost like one of them, the motor home things. Yeah, but she that's how she ends up happening upon the the uh bat suit because of the the wreckage from the crash like wash, washes up where she is. And I love that. Um just because yeah, it's very very real that any of us could be living out of our cars or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just because the economy is what it is and jobs don't really pay. Um, so, and the fact that like the, the suit pretty much happens upon her as though it's her destiny that she is to don the suit. And even though, um, 
you know, her mother is killed. And that is why, you know, that's a lot of her motivation. Um, I don't know, something away the way that was written made me feel the same way I do about, you know, Bruce's parents being murdered, right? Um, yeah. That it's just this thing because Gotham is terrible. So like, <laughs> it's just, it's sure a city is. of um, a broken heart. So, um, and then that, and then her wanting to get revenge uh, for her mother does not, la- is not just her whole soul thing either. Yeah. Because by the time we get to episode nine, uh, which is the best episode that they've had so far this year, um, she's able to move past that. Yeah. And I, I love that that's not going to be t- tied to her character. Like, we're not going to have to keep circling back to her being obsessed with getting a revenge for her mother's death, that she can see past that, you know, her impact as Batwoman, um, you know, far, not necessarily far exceeds that, but like she sees a, a, a greater cause. Yeah, uh, 100%. Sharing calls, yeah. right? And um, even that, they actually, when they bring up, you know, the crows who are like the cops and like Batwoman and just kind of how copaganda works and all those things, instead of, they kind of address that. Like they end up addressing how you defund the police in that episode. And, yeah. you know, it's uh, one of the characters, her sister is introduced, she's trying, she's an activist, um, yes, she's yes. trying to start a community center, and she has some other initiatives and everything going, and the problem is money. They don't have it, so they can start, you know, build the thing. And um, Ryan asks her, like, hey, you know, how would that woman help? And she's like, you know, if you're taking bad guys off the street, but you're not replacing it with anything, you know, good or anything that could serve the community, you really haven't done much at all. And then by the end of the episode, Ryan uh, goes back to the bat team. And then what do they do? They help Jordan build the facility after they take care of whatever the, um, you know, kind of, well, they don't take care of the big bat, unfortunately. But, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, they, that's mass. the end of the... Yeah, yeah but, like, that's the... Um, that's where the episode goes and like wow there's growth in that show (laughs) there is a lot of growth in that show um i feel like the stuff with uh luke luke and and ryan um has been really fun this season to kind of see their relationship go back and forth in terms of trusting each other the teamwork element which i think is really important um showing both characters and and uh mary too um you're dealing with situations that they both they all three of them have to hold each other accountable for and then of course we get the bat team rules um at the at the end of episode nine um yeah that show has done a really good job and i think the casting change has accelerated its development it's allowed them to tell stories that matter i think it was episode four if i'm not mistaken where ryan um you know, comes into contact with the person who kidnapped her as a, as a, as a teenager. And, you know, that's a lot of demons. And then usually you, usually with these shows, like, you know, they will focus heavily on the, um, you know, how terrible it was, but there was something different in the way that they wrote it to, as to where when she overcame it, um, it felt different than what I'm normally used to watching. And I think it's just another yeah. example of how their uh, what they're doing in their writers' room um, 
is something that's under very underappreciated is getting over getting over your trauma and then using it to become better um, and also admitting that yes there will be mistakes that are made and everybody's human and i feel like they get that point home and they don't have to hit you over the head with racism every episode um to to get that part uh told properly so that's where that show to me has really um it's taken with me in that way and how mm-hmm. the human stories are more important uh than anything else and and it's not a necessarily a means to an end and you know it's not always about the villain or fighting alice or it, you feel like the characters learn lessons um as they go along and then you can take those lessons um yourself going forward but you're completely right about that i really have enjoyed um this this uh, second season of batwoman for sure yeah because even that um just one more thing about batwoman even the fourth episode um blue eyes and blonde hair or whatever it's or fair skin mm-hmm. i thought that was an amazing episode um and it was just so funny that the day before i watched it um i remember talking to my dad and he was like he just randomly brought this up and he was like you know when i was little i read you know comics and stuff and i don't ever remember seeing superman save anybody that looks like me mm. so and I'm thinking like, yeah, you wouldn't have because no, that 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 really wouldn't have. I read a lot of older comics and you hardly see black characters in it. Um, just in the part of like getting saved by someone, right? Yeah. And the next day, like I saw that episode, and that whole entire episode is about the importance of um, you know, black children seeing superheroes who look like them save them and be in their neighborhoods, not just to be there to stop the war on drugs, like the weird stuff that was happening in the 90s or to be judgmental, but to actually genuinely care for them and their well-being and um, that their lives are just as important um, and what happens to them as, you know, a clown wearing fancy uh, red lip, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then like, it wasn't done in a heavy-handed way. It was just in a very genuine, genuine way. That also helped Ryan's character too, because we got to see how her backstory was kind of tied to that. Um, so again, like <laughs> it's just so funny that one of the surprise shows of the year that I expected absolutely nothing from has done a better job of treating its um black lead um than the bigger Marvel properties. Yeah. And on on the CW. Let me add that comment I mean, because I think that's important because Doom Patrol has done very well um to uh Cyborg. Yes, they yes, they have. I'm looking forward to season 3 and seeing more of uh where they take his story as um man, I love that show. I really do. I think it's just it's it's innovative. It's fr- it's free. It 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 just feels more free than any superhero show that i've watched where they just there's no boundaries like they're doing whatever they feel like it in a way that is serious but not serious at the same time um they're advancing stories but they're just having a lot of fun and i and i think that's the that's the most important thing when you're trying to uh, watch something for escapism and that's kind of like when we're thinking about falcon and the winter soldier and we've talked about this a bunch of times but 
if you're looking at what we're what we think of expectations, man, I would really like to see Falcon and Bucky beat the crap out of some people just for just some you know just some things blow up, get in, get out, have your buddy cop thing and whatever. <laughs> right. If you're no, trying, to, yeah. If you're trying to, if you're trying to hammer home a point that um, we're gonna we're gonna try and teach you a lesson, we're gonna try and feed you this medicine per se, and. Um, and then it becomes heavy handed, then it kind of like defeats the purpose. If you're not already thinking about it and it's not something that is on your mind beforehand, then maybe we would view the show a little bit differently than we do. And I think exactly. there, yeah. And there are, and there are shows that are able to do that. Um, Doom Patrol is the perfect example of that, like where they have heavy issues uh, with, um, What's his name? Negative man. Uh, negative man and him dealing with uh, coming out and accepting being gay and and all that stuff. Um, Crazy Jane and her personalities, all those things. Cyborg and just dealing with not really being human anymore. Like all those things, like they actually deal with those things, but it doesn't feel like they are hitting you over the head with it like a, like a, a hammer. So, yeah. So yeah, I but um, agree. but but yeah, one hundred percent. And um, but yeah, so like, so just to kind of like close it out with um the Isaiah Bradley uh story, and I, and I'm looking forward to reading your piece on it. So ultimately, when you went back and read this book again, what was your overall what was your overall like take on it? Not only from a story perspective, but just um how it was written. Oh, like overall, what was your opinion? Um, all right, so this is absolutely a, like the artist. So, Cal Barker's, um, oh, Cal Baker's art, right? Yeah, I just didn't feel like that was, I don't know, something about his art and this type of story that had to be told. It felt card, it felt more cartoonish than it needed to be, exactly. Yes, and that bugged me a great deal it did too um, I, yeah, I had the same issue because I, I like i think his art is amazing just not for that story yeah and i feel like that's part of the reason why maybe that's why marvel was willing to roll with it if they were able to get an artist to view an art style that was kind of um that was softened the blow a little bit right because it looks like looney tunes yeah, it really does <laughs> <laughs> and it's um and it's very frustrating. Like, I just have not set that on the timeline because I don't want to be disrespectful to the artist. But um, I think there's a there's a bigger thing to be talked about when it comes to the type of art. Like, the art, like comic books, it's, it's an orchestra. The writing, the art, the editing, the lettering, all of that has to sync up to tell this a, a masterful, just even a decent story, mm-hmm. let alone a masterful, masterful story. And... Unfortunately, that art took away from it because you have it where you're seeing these guys um, get like brutalized, um, and the way that they're handled, and yeah, and you have that, and then you have um, you know Cap talking to ex Nazis, but they kind of look like Elma Fudd. So, like, what are you supposed to do with that, right? (laughs) (laughs) So you have that, and um, oh man, it's just so frustrating um overall because again like storytelling wise like i understand why that was the route that was taken to tell isaiah's story 
um, I can't even say that I wouldn't have done the same because it just makes it just it makes sense yeah. um, if you're trying to like really tie it to Cap in a way that um, you know makes people remember that there's a black Captain America, but then that's the thing that ends up happening. You end up saying, oh, well, it's a black Captain America because they've tied him to Cap in that way. Kind of what Nubia suffers from with um, being Wonder Woman's sister. Um, she's the other Wonder Woman or the black one. So um, it's not something you should, you, know, you want to read if you have some downtime because I don't know if that's how you want to spend your day off because yeah. it's just not a fun read. It's a it's a painful read because it is so close and true to um, a lot of the atrocities that the medical community and um, science community has committed against um, black folks and other people of color. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think you could have put it any better than that. Um, I just remember reading it a couple weeks back and just kind of having to like really put that down and, and I think that's why when I saw Isaiah Bradley on the screen for the first time, um, you know, while I was enjoying the scene at the same time in the back of my head, I'm thinking, geez, taking a breath and just like wondering what's, uh, you know, what's the, what's the meaning of all, of all this that's happening. But, you know, it's, it's, and I, and I hope that people who listen to this kind of, you know, understand that this is the type of stuff that we have to live with every day and it doesn't even and it's not something that you can really escape like it's it's just always there for you in one way shape or form um when it comes to trauma and the things that occur uh to people of color um any minorities specifically everything that we see you know outside currently and you know since the beginning of time so it's just something that is you know it's been baked into the bread and and you can only deal with it the best you can but i hope that people who listen to this kind of understand uh get at least a little bit more of an understanding as you know when we're watching these things it's not just about diversity and representation and storytelling um it's also about humanity and that's just Mm -hmm. as important um, as as anything else um steph i i want to thank you for coming back along with me to do this um i feel like the next time that we do do this it'll be a little bit more of an uplifting episode a little bit more fun um Ooh, i hope so <laughs> i'm sure it will there's gonna be a dead space uh when falcon and the winter soldier concludes and uh maybe we can get back to some of the more fun comic books during that break time and uh yeah that should be interesting but uh Steph before we go where can we follow you where can we see your work uh you can follow me on twitter and instagram at steph underscore i underscore will uh go to ystuff.com where you can find uh related comics i've posted uh things i've written all of that and um, depending on when this is up you may be able to listen to me on twitter voices tomorrow at uh, 2 p.m. Uh, PT or 5 p.m. ET or if you're somewhere in the middle, um, what, 4 p.m. or 3 p.m. So pick your poison. <laughs> and I'm talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, but if you don't, uh, if you miss me then, um, then I'll be back with the guys on Tuesday to talk 
episode three and yes, whatever yes. happens in that. <laughs> yes, one one hundred percent. Thank you so much for making the time. As always, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Canton underscore three. Follow the show at MC University Pod. Uh, the main show will be back Tuesday. Um, we had a little April Fool's thing. Don't worry, it's not DCU. We're not doing that. That's not. It's not. It's not a thing. It's just. Uh, just a. Just had to fall in line with all the April Fool's foolishness that that happened today. But um, yeah, Marvel did what? We'll we'll definitely come back um once Falcon and the Winter Soldier ends, and we'll 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 talk about some different topics and get back to that. So for Stephanie Williams, I am Anthony Kent on the third. This has been Marvel did what. And we'll talk to you next time.